Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, let's keep that spoiler text on the screen because now it's time to talk about House of the Dragon. Um, I have been watching this show week to week. Uh, haven't really had a chance to talk so much about it because of obviously all the other stuff that's been happening uh, as far as movies are concerned. And and to be honest, there is just so much TV content now out there. Uh, we had at one point where I was catching up week to week, we had House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, She-Hulk, and Andor, right? Plus prior to that, we had... Cobra Kai, the the latest season of Cobra Kai, and The Sandman that dropped on Netflix. So there was just so much to really catch up on and really follow every week. Now, that doesn't mean I I didn't try. So obviously, I was watching this. And apparently, so many other people were watching it too because um, with the season finale airing last night, basically, there are, uh, there's, you know, people talking about the numbers and all that and how the finale drew big, big numbers. So in this uh, article, you see like around 9.3 million viewers turned into the season finale of HBO's House of the Dragon. Uh, That marks the premium cabler's biggest finale night for a series since the conclusion of Game of Thrones in May of 2019 that pulled in 19.8 million viewers around the same period. Um, you know, they talked about the metrics and how they pulled the numbers and all that. Um, they said, surprisingly, it's not the high water mark of the season because that belongs to the show's second episode, which managed 10.2 million viewers. Um, so, you know, obviously probably with the pilot airing and, you know, word of mouth and all that stuff like that, more people were kind of curious about the show. Right. Um, but the fact that it has such stiff competition, because now we're in football season, right? So obviously Football's huge in America. Plus, we had the American League Championship Series where the Yankees kind of choked and got swept by the Astros. But I'm pretty sure a lot of people were really watching that, especially since there was a delayed start time because of rain here in New York. Uh, But they're saying that, again, all the episodes of the series are averaging around 29 million viewers in the U.S., more than triple their average debut night audience, thanks to strong catch-up viewing. Because a lot of people don't get to watch these episodes when they're released on that night, right? I know Sundays are for, meant for HBO and all that stuff like that, but I feel like these days that hasn't really been a lot of the case. But a lot of people do tend to watch these episodes on Monday or Tuesday or whatever have you, right? Um, but I was able to watch it, and my God, this episode was I think I I yelled out loud in shock uh, twice or three times. Um, It was just, it was just really well written and well put together. And it was interesting how episode nine really focused a lot on Allison and kind of how she's dealing with the death of uh, Veneris, who's her husband, obviously. Right. And then, learning about the secret 
uh, plan to get her son up onto the throne, right? And and totally ignore the original proclamation that Rhaenyra's was the, the heir, the next in line, right? So it was really, really interesting to see how that all played out and how uh, uh, Rhaenys... And again, I, I should mention this. One, I've never re read any of the books. Two, I'm very bad when it comes to names, especially to with these characters. So if you're looking for like an expert opinion and review and deep, thorough analysis, there's so many other videos and channels out there who will probably do a better job than I am. I am more of that casual viewer that just loves this stuff and loves talking about it. And maybe I can speak to a more general casual audience um, about my reaction and how I felt about the whole thing. So just wanted to put that out there um, because I don't want anyone flaming me in the comments like, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not how you pronounce her name in Bidi Booty B. Look, relax. All right. I love the show. All right. And I thought this season was brilliant. I wasn't sure, honestly, how I would react to this season especially with all the stuff that's happened with Game of Thrones, especially during that last season there, um, how that disappointed a lot of people. And I, and I understood the disappointment, you know. Um, but I think this really surprised a lot of people. And they did a lot of different things that we weren't accustomed to in Game of Thrones, which added to that, right? But it was interesting to see Reynas, you know, kind of not want to kneel to, you know, the new king and breaking out with her dragon. And we knew immediately she was going to go to tell uh, Rhaenerys and Daemon about what happened. Um, and you knew Alice was like, oh, no, what's going to happen now, right? So this whole episode was truly dedicated to just Rhaenerys, right? Just, just uh, her take on um, the death of her father and learning about the treason and, uh, you know, appointing another king above her, right? And how they were going to deal with it. And it was just really fascinating and so good to see the acting really come out in this movie. I mean, in this episode, you know, especially, I don't know why we always have to have major news when there's a, a pregnancy happening. So we have another pregnancy happening, but she loses the baby so it's like she gets the word from her that her father died. She is not really appointed uh, queen. They did this public appointing of an, another king above her. And then now she's in labor, right? And you could tell she's just in so much stress, stress and anguish and all that stuff like that, that in a way, she kind of wanted to get rid of this baby because she wanted to deal with everything else head on, right? So she forced... You know, she kind of forced the labor without any help. And I'm pretty sure that's what caused the baby to die as it came out. I mean, you could see like the umbilical cord was still around the neck and she was just refusing to help and all that. And this was so devastating, especially for Damon, because, you know, he wanted, you know, a proper uh, child within that bloodline, you know, it's, and, and especially since she already has these, you know, bastards as kids, this would at least let everyone forget about them for a bit. 
you know, even though she loves him to death and all that, but he wanted something for himself. And you could tell, like, he was so devastated by this. And I bet you, in a way, he kind of blames her for what happened. Um, but that being said, you know, the rest of the episode is them just trying to figure out what are they going to do. You know, Damon wants to go to war immediately. He wants to retaliate. Renarius doesn't because she has more of her father in her, right? So she definitely wants to, like, keep the kingdoms at bay and peace and then will react accordingly, right? Um, but, you know, the rest of the episode, it, it and again, another heartbreaking moment at the end where, you know, she learns that now she has the support of uh, Rainus and and her husband that finally woke up from his coma or whatever the case is. And they, you know, she comes to learn that they have full control of like the shipping channels. So if they want to kind of bleed them um, by not letting them get supplies and all that stuff like that, and then hit them on uh, with the support and all that, then that would probably be the best suit. But she's like, well, we have to make sure that we have these other kingdoms in alignment. So let's go find out. And of course, this is where we get now more uh, involvement with the Starks uh, uh, and, you know, the Baratheons and all that stuff like that. But how her own kids decided to be the messengers, right? And, oh, it was so heartbreaking with her with her youngest. Um, I believe uh, that was Luke. Oh, my God. You know, the, the one who was responsible for Eamon's loss of his eye and how, you know, he was already nervous. And, and they had a really interesting conversation before all of this happened where, you know, he says, like, I I'm not like you, mom. You know, like, I know I'm next in line for, uh, you know, like, if this if the sea snake dies, I'm the next one to rule this kingdom and, and all this stuff. But I, I can't do it. You know, like, I, I, I'm not like you. I'm not perfect like you. And that was just such a heartwarming moment between the two. And but then I should have known that was like foreshadowing that something was going to happen. Um, and then you, so when he 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 agreed to go to meet up with the Starks um, and and deliver the message that you know these people should not forget that they've already you know pledged allegiance to her being queen if her father was to pass, and who already beat him to the punch. Amon, the same dude that you know lost his eye because of him, and you know there he was ready to fight at that moment, and he was the poor boy was trying to escape, you know, in his little baby dragon. But Amon has that giant dragon, and oh man, I thought this this whole scene was so well done. How the baby dragon can really maneuver, the big dragon cannot. It's just this big intimidating force. So at first you're you're like, oh, he can escape, you know, and you could tell Amon was just being a bully, right? And all that. But then, oh man, all he had to do was just escape, but he had to kind of come back, breathe fire, shot the, the dragon in the face with it, and then ran away. And because of that moment, Amon actually lost control of the dragon for a bit. Because now the dragon's just acting dragon, right? And dragon's pissed. The dragon's on the hunt. 
And of course, what happened? Boom. Dragon found him, ate him up, and that's it. There goes the little man. Done. And Amon, for that moment, was just like, what the fuck did I just do? Holy shit. And then news went back to Rhaenerys. And that look she gives you in the camera. Oh! Devastating. And scary. The episode was called, I believe, The Black Queen. Oh, man. If you watch also the like kind of like the the recap with like creators and actors and all that, they mentioned the Dance of the Dragons. Again, I don't know anything about the books and all that, but this is basically what leads to that because one of the things that Damon and the rest of the council was talking about was like we control dragons. They have four. We have more than that and we can get more. Right. There are a lot of the wild dragons out there that aren't tamed yet. So we can go out there and get them, you know, and we could just basically show our brute force with these dragons. Um, And I feel like in season two, we're going to be seeing a lot of that. And that's one of the greatest things about this this uh, show, because in the Game of Thrones, it was all about, you know, humans bowing out. Of course, there's a lot of supernatural entities and all that stuff like that. And of course, it was all about uh, the walkers, the you know, coming over and, and learning how to stop them and dealing with all that stuff like that. But we got a glimpse of dragons, um, you know, because of the, the three dragons that were birthed, you know, um, and we got to see them, you know, do their thing for a little bit. But in this era... We are getting to see the real utilization of dragons and how that really works well within the army, within the forces, within the kingdom and all that. And I think that's so good. It's so brilliant. It's so much fun to watch. But yeah, this this season ended with a huge bang. And I you really felt that impact of like all the things that are culminating throughout, you know, growing up with these characters, right? You know, when... They were when they approached Rhaenerys at Dragonstone. Uh, you had the hand Otto, right? Delivering a message, you know, trying to strike a bargain, a deal, saying, like, if you bend the knee, then we'll make sure that you have proper ownership of Dragonstone and this and that, and your kids' kids can, you know, be servants and all that kind of stuff, like that. But they had he had a special message. And it was a throwback to, I believe it was episode one or two, when Alicent and Renarius were kids and how they were reading about the tales of the old days and all that. And she ripped up a page to give it to Alicent, you know, because I, you know, this was someone that they looked up to, right? A former ruler or warrior. I, I, I don't remember uh, verbatim. And how she was presented with this page from Alicent. Allison still remembers their friendship and their love that they had. You know, in we saw previously right before Venerys dies that the whole family was able to be gathered back together. You know, even though dysfunctional as they are, you know, you have this poor dude that's been rotting and and pretty much losing limbs and and all that stuff through his life. And he looks on this side and he's like, yeah, I have my daughter who married my brother. I look over here. Here's my wife, right? 
and you know my my nutty kids, my my one son who likes to whack it off outside windows, you know get uh, handmaidens pregnant and everything like that. You know, one lost an eye because the sons of my daughter that she had with some other dude, you know, had a fight with him. And now they want to marry their cousins, right? So it's kind of like this crazy dysfunctional family, but family nonetheless, right? And it was, you know, that's where Allison and Ranares finally had a rekindling. And I... You know, you felt that it was genuine, that they really genuinely wanted their friendship and their love back. And then Veneris dies. And then Veneris, in his crazy state, tells Allison the story of uh, fire and ice or fire and blood or whatever the case is. Um, and how, you know, this person should rule and it happened to be the name of her son. But he thought he was talking to Rhaenerys. So Allison mistook that for something else and da-da-da, this and that. And oh my gosh. The best part about this series, again, that is classic Game of Thrones, is the the political intrigue. You know, the backstabbing, the chess matching, you know, the the, the strategy and everything like that. I loved how when this series started, I you well, I Maybe you you did. I did not have any inclining that it was a story about Rhaenerys and Alicent and kind of the war that they were going to go back and forth with eventually. You know, I I honestly I thought the main focus was really going to be on Damon. You know, and Matt Smith did a brilliant job playing Damon, and I can't wait to see more of that. Um, but you know, the earlier episodes were very heavily Damon focused, but in the background and what culminated throughout the season was really the the positioning and the battle between the two sides of the family within the same family. And that is Alicent Hightower and Rhaenyra's Targaryen. And I thought just the writing be- between all of that stuff was just so well done, so well executed. I love the time jumps. You know, because again, we didn't really see like that type of time jumps within Game of Thrones. I felt like, you know, maybe each season would have like a brief jump, you know, between the seasons and all that. But within one season, we had time jumps of like five years, you know, whatever, how many years and all that. You know, we saw people grow up. That's why they had to recast for the main roles there. Even though Millie Alcock and um, Emily Carey as the younger versions of Renarius and Allison did such a brilliant job. Then you get to see Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook fill in the roles. And oh, everyone was just so good. Um, and the casting was brilliant. I mean, they really cast it well for this show where you could really see that these are the older versions of the young ones that we saw already in the past. Um, you know, we got to see the kids grow up, you know, so Amond looking as crazy and how he looks so much like uh, Matt Smith, how he looks so much like Damon. So I, th- I thought that was really, really interesting. And, and you know there's going to be something where that's going to be the, the head-to-head right there. Damon and Amon, I bet you, that's going to be a big battle or confrontation or, or something of the sorts, right? Um, you know, uh, it, it was just, it, it was 
And plus, the season was very easy to follow. You know, I think one of the, the hardest things about Game of Thrones is that you have all of these different kingdoms and families. And even though everyone is vying for the throne, there's always turmoil within the same families too, right? So you have to really follow all of these things happening. Here, we're following one main family, right? That's why we, we really didn't get a lot of introductions to a lot of the other houses and a lot of the other kingdoms. That's why now I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing more of what's happening in Winterfell with the Starks, the Baratheons, you know, all that stuff. I mean, we, we had like, you know, the Sikh people and all that, um, you know, the high towers. Um, and it, what's the deal with freaking uh, the Strongs too? Larry's Strong, you know, and his feet fetish and how Alicent was able to uh, work with that and manipulate it just so she could get what she wants to get and, and that loyalty. Um, yeah, again, really, really interesting stuff. Um, the one, the I will say the only disappointing thing that I had was kind of the the treatment of some some of the more ancillary characters like uh, Masaria, um, portrayed by Sonoya Benzuno, who I thought she was going to be a more prominent character, especially since she was kind of like the mistress of Damon, right? Because Damon had no interest in his wife and all that, so I thought she was going to play more heavily into the storyline. Um, I mean, she had her moments too, especially uh, with dealing with some of the kids and, and kind of doing a lot of the, the back end alley, you know, secrets and, and manipulations and all that stuff like that. She showed up a couple of times, but I really thought she was going to be more in the forefront. You know, instead, Damon ended up, you know, with, you know, marrying the daughter of the Sea King and, and all that stuff like that. And then he has their his kids with her. And then she, you know, she had a failed birth again, and, and asked the dragon to kill her, and, and all that kind of stuff like that. You know, um, I, I also I, I read an article also online that it was very interesting that um, I, and they weren't expecting people to fall in love with Damon, especially with, with like how evil he is and how like like you know bad he is, and I think they're having uh, not concerns, but they're they're just wondering how they're going to address this moving forward. Um, but I, I'm not surprised. I mean, again, Damon is a very uh, attractive character, you know, especially with the way he thinks, the way he approaches things. How he took on that battle, uh, you know, by himself, and he was able to kill that crab digger or whatever they called him, right? Um, like, I thought that was freaking awesome, really, you know? And so it's no surprise. But then again, you know, like if you look at the original Game of Thrones, a lot of people fell in love with Jamie Lannister, right? And he was not an angel by any means. You know, again, and that's another thing too. Like we didn't see much of the Lannisters at all, you know, just very briefly, especially when they were trying to vie for the affections of Rhaenerys. But, you know, a lot of the other houses, we, we really didn't get a chance to see a lot of. But that didn't bother me. I love that we focused on this one house, this one family, this one kingdom. And because there there was enough conflict and turmoil within it, and and just a lot of crazy stuff that's happening, but yeah, with how things ended, we're definitely going to war in season two, and the battle between the the, the princesses there, uh, the queens, uh, uh, Alicent and Rhaenerys, um, 
And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the king. Because, I mean, he he didn't want it. He was kind of reluctant. And then he kind of got that taste of when people were cheering him on and all that. He was like, yeah, that's right. I am your king. And then when that dragon showed up, he kind of like, you know, pissed his pants and all that shit. Um, but I loved how Allison did. She still stood tall. And she was like, I am not backing down on this. Like, this is my son, right? And this was the wish of his father, my husband, the king, uh, even though it was false. Uh, so she was just bracing for impact because she was going to go out with this, you know, regardless. And again, brilliantly portrayed by Olivia Cook there. Um, and again, Emma Darcy is just brilliant. So really, really loved the show. Uh, I had so much fun with it. I um, I heard uh, reports are saying now that uh, season two will be filming. We'll start filming early next year. So hopefully we won't have to wait too long for season two. Unlike Rings of Power, which they don't really have a fully fleshed out script yet. I'm sure they're still going to figure out what they're going to do with the budget. Because they did say that don't expect to see a season two for another two to three years. At a minimum, right? And that is really unfortunate. Um, so, so yeah. So, again, let me know. Like, how did, you know, again, I, I know a lot of people were watching this. And I think a lot of people were preferring this show over Rings of Power. And maybe right now. I mean, here's the question for all of you. Was House of the Dragon the show of the year with everything that's come out? You know, and how much of an impact that this had with a lot of people and the fan base. Like, was this the best show on TV in this period or for the whole year? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. I want to know about it. And let me know you in the uh, your thoughts in the comments about what you thought about the season. How did you react and how did you feel about the last episode? What would you like to see? In season two, if you are a reader and a fan of the books, I also do. I would love to hear um, your thoughts of the adaptation so far. I've loosely heard that it is very similar, um, maybe with some liberties. But again, educate me. Let me know since I am not uh, familiar with the books at all. Um, I would love to hear all your thoughts about it. 